This is the next conference podcast. This week's episode features Thomas Marzen Mückdal's keynote from the next conference 2018. Governments of the industrial world, you weary giants of flesh and steel. I come from cyberspace, the new home of mind. On behalf of the future, I ask you of the past to leave us alone. You are not welcome among us. You have no sovereignty where we gather. We have no elected government, nor are we likely to have one. I declare the global social space we are building to be naturally independent of the tyrannies you seek to impose on us. We did not invite you. You do not know us, nor do you know our world. Cyberspace does not lie within your borders. You do not know our culture, our ethics, or the unwritten codes that already provide our society more order than could be obtained by any of your impositions. People of next, German digital people, Hamburg digital people, I've been following your tribe for many years, and here you have a good thing going here. I actually believe I spoke at the very first Next conference when Sinashrada had a big empty office from the dot-com boom that they didn't know what to use uh, and then put on a conference in it. Oh, how the times have changed in technology today, where we are the winners that define the world that we're all living in, in ways we can't even perceive ourselves. And that's really what I want to talk with you about today. In tech, we have many beliefs and optics on how to see the world, many ideologies. We even have the idea with the internet and digital that there's almost like a global digital sort of ideology and perspectives and principles that we live by that, that subvent the, the global uh, or the local laws uh, that we live in. So that's really what I want to challenge you on today, talk about whether they actually are ours or somebody else's on whether they're right for the times we're living in today, talk about a new direction and new principles in technology. What I started with reading was the Declaration of Independence of Cyberspace, the late John Perry Barlow's seminal declaration from 1996. I read it when I was 19 years old, you know, a very uh, fragile uh, uh, age period where you're very open to ideas. All the leaders and shapers of this new emerging digital internet world that I believed in and were following sort of stamped this as being sort of the new ideology, the principle we should live by. So, so I did. It, uh, it defined an era of tech that really made all of us see ourselves as smarter than the rest, smarter than the rest of society or the rest of our, our other citizens not needing to abide by any of the shared rules that we all have agreed upon. It also allowed many of the things that are causing a lot of issues nowadays, where every company just thinks they can do as it wants and not play by the rules, not pay taxes to the societies they extract value from, or by even abiding by the existing rules, Uber, taxes, where every individual on the internet should just do as they want, with no limitations, hate speech, etc., where no community architectures or new institutions were created, new, no new democratic forms at large that could create sort of the renaissance for the society in a digital context. 
And where we stand in 2018, 25 years in, with the internet pervasive everywhere, with so little regulation and rules for it, where 25 years in, we haven't created any new core institutions at all. It's done more wrong than any other piece of text has done in the digital era. And its principles and the manifest it was is a big reason for why we are where we are today, with the skeletons falling out of the closet every day, scandals rolling out every day, and a tech world that suddenly, really sudden, sort of isn't the, the world I imagined that I was going to be a part of. Its only principle being that there should be no principles at all, total anarchy and freedom. At best, it was naive. At best, it's just a bunch of ultra-libertarian, West Coast anti-government fault labeled as ideology for a new generation and a new digital global culture. It hasn't served us well. More and more, it started to show me that we have led a few hundred thousand people in a suburban province on the west coast of the United States of America define the principles, the ideology of the internet and the digital age. It's the place they call Silicon Valley. We've let them define the ideologies, the narrative, globally. We've taken it all in because they were the new, new thing. They live in a few villages in Palo Alto. City, you can't even call them cities. They are really villages. They are a few thousand people or a few hundred thousand people in a provincial city called San Francisco that, however much we love it, is a very small city that isn't even the capital city of the country it's in. And a lot of it really comes from their DNA. They settle out west, the rebels and the cowboys, to explore the new. Their business culture is about digging for gold. That is what California was about, the dream that somebody would strike gold if they digged hard enough, that the one out of a thousand that did it would take it all home, what they nowadays call a unicorn. So when we look at it, a lot of it really comes from the foundational cultural aspects and the DNA of a few hundred thousand people. And obviously, it's not because they're wrong in any way. They, we have just allowed them to really define the life and era we're in. To sum it up a little bit, just sort of to show some of the paradigm changes um, and the differences in culture, it's a very different culture from the rest of the world. It's even a very different culture from the Midwest in the U.S., or from the east coast of the US. All these values are not even New York values or Washington values. They are very explicitly in a very little spatial place on Earth that, however much we love it, has been able to sort of transcend everything. And when we look at it, a lot of the values don't really connect with what we're about in, in, in Europe. You know, the German Mittelstand, all the long-term sustainable companies we're building compared to the gold-digging VC model, the idea of everyone's freedom on, at every cost compared to our sort of very much social community coexistence, that we are societies that deal with power in our democratic institutions, where this place is very far away from where all the power is, or the official power at least, that it's a provincial place that has never really dealt with power before now, where we have 27 capitals in the EU. And obviously also the perspective that we are 
places that believe in societal solution and not private companies as the solutions in many ways. And we've been generating a lot of innovation and a lot of models that have been replicated all over the world. So one might say this is that I'm doing an anti-Silicon Valley talk. That's not what I'm doing. But what we just must understand is that we have let a few hundred thousand people define a whole global culture. And they've been amazing at marketing and evangelizing this idea, right? The tribal of the Wired magazine, which actually has its 25th anniversary here in a few months, that the, you know, everyone globally read. I even once had a, an office table that was glued together with all uh, the Wired covers, and it was the coolest uh, you know, table for every, any digital agency 18, 20 years ago, right? It was, the, it was the messenger of a lot of this ideology. But what we failed to do is really look at ourselves and reinvent ourselves in the digital era with our values, with our culture, with our DNA. And we've neglected even focusing on a lot of that. So we need a new story to escape the constraints of the old. And last year, we started doing that. We call it the Copenhagen Letter, and it reads a little bit like this. To everyone who shapes technology today, we live in a world where technology is consuming society, ethics, and our core existence. It is time to take responsibility for the world we are creating. Time to put humans before business. Time to replace the empty rhetoric of building a better world with a commitment to real action. Tech is not above us. It should be governed by all of us, by our democratic institutions. It should play by the rules of our societies. It should serve our needs, both individual and collective, as much as our wants. Let us move from human-centered design to humanity-centered design. We are a community that exerts great influence. We must protect and nurture the potential to do good with it. We must do this with attention to inequality, with humility and with love. In the end, our reward will be to know that we have done everything in our power to leave our garden patch a little greener than we found it. We who have signed this letter will hold, this, hold ourselves and each other accountable for putting these ideas into practice. That is our commitment. The full letter is here. I gave you a few uh, uh, of the highlights. So what we did was that we brought 150 people together from more than 35 countries from every aspect of sort of digital world, startups, academia, thinkers, from every, any very gender balanced, um, obviously also, um, to really discuss the state of technology. It was a very hard process. Some people had to leave and escape because it, it really made them question what they'd spent 20 years of their lives on. But in the end, we agreed on one piece of, of A4, and we called it the Copenhagen Litter. We did it at the at the, the new International Progressive Technology Festival called Tech Festival uh, that takes place every year in Copenhagen to really pu put a human and uh, uh, perspective, a human and societal perspective on, on technology. You're welcome to go and sign it. About 5,000 people have done it so far. It's been spotted in boardrooms. It's been spotted on, uh, in design schools, on the walls of design schools. It's been discussed. It's been put on the, on the, on the cars in, in the Facebook parking lot so they could have something to read when they went home at night. Um, so it's a beginning. It's a beginning to define a new narrative. And this was obviously just 
150 random people from all over the world that got together to put one foot in front of the other and start taking action. We don't claim for this to be perfect or the, or the new ideology. We claim for this to be the beginning of starting to look at ourselves and define a new narrative and a new perspective. So this year, we uh, did it again. And um, sort of, because a lot of the discussion obviously around the letter was that it was too soft and it was too unclear. And, you know, obviously when you're trying to put whole civilization into one A4 sheet, that, that you know, is, is obviously valid uh, advice and, and concern. So once again, we brought 150 people together two weeks ago, actually to this day. We started in an old church and in an old uh, dance hall like this one and started again discussing where we were. Obviously, times were very different this time. There have been so many scandals the last 12 months. Cambridge Analytica, Facebook hearing Congress, Facebook, Google engineers not willing to work on AI for military, uh, fines uh, by the, for mon mon monopoly activities by Google, Apple fine for tax evasion, uh, you know, uh, the Me Too movement starting in tech with Susan Fowler's famous blog post about Uber's culture and, and the sexual harassment there. The Uber board finally firing the founder of Uber for all for this sort of very destructive organization he had built, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, you know, the skeletons are falling out. So obviously it was a different discussion this time. And last year we asked 150 people to agree on one A4, and that was obviously a very hard process. So this year we gave a, a different constraint. We asked every one of the participants to create one poster each so that there would be 150 principles that could inspire for a new narrative, a new perspective on technology. We brought them together 48 hours, including uh, creating the posters, very hard process, um, and a lot of discussions and a lot of energy and a lot of humanity in that room, a lot of connection, a lot of feeling of being on the verge of something new starting, and it was remarkable. I just wanted to share a few, with them, few of them with you today. Um, and obviously 150, there is a lot. Some talks about obeying our democratic laws. That might be very banal, but in tech, that's an important statement to agree on. One talks about building to exist instead of building to exit. Some talk about having a citizen perspective instead of a user perspective. One talks about designing for humanity, not individual users or individual humans, but really for designing for our collective. One pokes fun, pokes fun at the singularity cult, uh, you know, the Google-funded thing that wants us all to concern with the, the fear of technology coming within very short time and replacing humans instead of us focusing on how we reinvent ourselves as humans and our societies. And some altogether say, forget the principles. This is a, not a cookbook. This is an inspiration for you to make up your own principles and start thinking instead of just listening to others', others principles. Some obviously deals with data, handle with care. Some talks about what it means to work in tech and the responsibility. All of us just work, but are we actually taking care of the world we're creating, teaching our kids in their schools? Are we taking responsibility for educating the next generation, uh, apprentice models? 
Are we building community within our craft and moving it forward? Are we engaged in our local society's dire need for reinventing themselves on a more participatory uh, digital base? And then you can do a little bit of work in the end also. In the end, the poster says, one very innovatively talks about demanding that investors should be accountable for the companies they're a part of creating. That's a very new, very new narrative in, in venture capital. We actually had a summit with 60 investors from all over Europe discussing their responsibility and, and what they wanted to do instead of just being creating this very sort of a hardcore capitalism, the most extreme cap capitalism potentially ever seen. One talks about how we create labeling on our digital products, just as we have on any product we consume in the real world, in the physical world. Is it designed for addiction? Is it designed for uh, social behavior? Does it empower agency of yourself, etc.? So, altogether, there are 150 of them, Copenhagen catalog.org. You're very welcome to go and sign the ones you believe in and start building your own. In conclusion, I believe, I sense, that we're just on the verge of Europe's golden time. We've got somewhat functioning societies. We've got amazing cities that are winning all the rankings for the best cities in the, in the world, this city including, the most livable cities. We're in between the big tech of the US and the wild tigers of China. We are in a very special place, and we have a very big opportunity just now to be the solutions to where tech is today. We're really good at finding balances. A tech festival two weeks ago, every summit, every discussion, every think tank was about balancing things. Kept repeating, we need to find a balance instead of being black or white, either or. How do we find the balance? We're good at finding the balance between our community and our individual needs. We're good at taking care of those that need help instead of just buying land in New Zealand and, and thinking that Havoc and, and Doomsday will come, not paying taxes and then asking people to be a little bit happy when they, they donate $2 billion to the homeless in the US instead of actually you know, going the other way around, which is the European model. We could be the ones that really invented a lot of our social systems and democratic systems in this internet era, something we've neglected to do the last 25 years because we've been preoccupied with this idea that we were creating this new institution, this new cyberspace where there were no rules and we would just create a whole sort of the, the end of our existing models. I've started doing it the last two years, engaging in my local society, working with politicians and trying to make a difference. It feels somewhat provincial at times because obviously a little bit more sexy to fly around the globe and talk about wissy technology things. And it's messy and it's tough and it's complicated and I don't, I don't understand democratic process and how things get into law. Uh, there's a lot of need for better systems, but we need to start engaging. If we dare to escape the narrative of the valley, those beautiful people that we for long have let define a whole era and start defining our own story, our own principles, our own dreams and ideals for our little part of the internet. Thank you. Thomas, wait. 
don't go, come back and take a sip. One more time for Thomas, please. Open. Coming from the U.S., I'm so happy to hear that you all don't believe that we have it all figured out. It makes me very happy to hear that. Um, so I'm curious for you, for people who are working at companies who have the capacity to create a manifesto for themselves or for their business, what's a good place to start? How do you start when you decide you want to write one? A, a manifesto for your yeah. own business? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think we've established you can do it in 48 hours pretty quickly and, <laughs> and create some kind of output. Um, and I think it actually, to me, that's also the beautiful thing that it, everyone knows it was created in 48 hours. It's not a definite piece that we spend months on building. It's just the beginning, the small signals of something new. Um, but I mean, I encourage everyone to, to start reflecting in the companies to have these dis discussions uh, instead of just you know, living the startup dream. Uh, it really is sort of the fourth wave, right? The first wave was the, was the internet, then we had sort of the social era, the sharing era. Then we had the whole startup craziness, which we're still sort of in. And I think, I definitely see we are in this sort of societal era now because every, in, we have won so much. Everything is so pervasive, the tech, tech world we're living in today. And it really starts now connecting with, with, with the real world, the society we're in. Um, and that is really sort of the defining aspect. And that creates a lot of challenges for business. It also creates a lot of opportunities uh, for different types of solutions and products and, and services. Uh, that all have that all work with the idea that there is a society, yeah. which are, most of the U.S. startups just come from the idea that everything is private, right? Yeah. So, second part of the question: um, when you once you write down a manifesto, it's written, it's down, and I noticed one of your slides was like it's not it's a mindset, not a rule set. What is it required of you and your team, or what advice would you give around actually holding yourselves accountable for living the manifesto? Yeah, that's the tough part, right? <laughs> Um, I think, I mean, we started, a lot of people started doing sort of workshops, uh, just sort of digesting even the Copenhagen letter, trying to figure out what the heck did they mean when they write this uh, and, and what is it all about, right? So a lot of people have sort of processing in the companies, digesting you know, in, in, uh, also in government and, and democratic institutions. Um, and I mean, th that is when you should really start, you know, being more true to your own narrative and then more true to your DNA. And I definitely, I think that from the process we're in, a lot of people, for example, spoke about um, building bootstrap companies that are long-term and don't have investors. How, do, how, do, how would you put a label on them so they are as sexy as a unicorn, right? How do we build a narrative? Some people call it zebras, but uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know whether that's so sexy. But there are a lot of this kind of identity aspects also that so we can really be part of something instead of all of us realizing we're alone, right? And I think that's also start, what's starting to building now that everyone probably reckons that everyone knows that the tech principles and, and narrative is broken and suddenly it's starting to be, you know, everyone discovering that we're probably the majority. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not a minority here. Awesome. Zebras are sexy, I think. Zebras are sexy, yeah. They have Magnificent, magnificent animals. Thank you so much, Thank Thomas. You.